Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to People Add Value Experience. Today is an excellent, exciting day. We have on the Strangers of Elevated Underground, uh, two of the artists of the group, Oblique the Architect and Hollywood Meech. I got it? You got it. Got, got it. it. That's it. Very, yeah. very excited. Uh, thank you all for taking the time to come on today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having us. Yes. I, I know for a fact having you guys on, everyone's going to like and subscribe. But just in case, make sure like and subscribe or follow, depending on the social media platform, which will be on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So please do the do, if you will. Do it. Do it. So um, today's episode, we are going to chat a little bit about y'all's respective backgrounds. Um, you know, as far back as you want to go, if you're like, oh, I remember, you know, the, the yarn born at seven, <laughs> <That's right, 708. laughs> I remember the light to the hospital. So bright, you know, <laughs> however far back you guys want to go. Um, and then we'll get into like, Hey, how did you guys get into the, the music industry or entertainment industry? Um, along with a little bit of, Hey, I know you split, you know, and, and do some comedy every yeah. once in a while. And so yeah, just learn a little bit about that. I think that'd be exciting. In addition to, you know, representing your your other artists um, that come on and some of that are featured. I know, I forgot the gentleman's name that was on. I knew. What is it? Jay something? Is that right? Uh, Jay Demanson. He's actually not one of our artists, but he's somebody that featured we Featured in. With, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, by the way, so now, now I have like some, I've already listened to some, and then the more I listen to, now I have some favorites, but yeah. I'm not going to. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna be biased. Nah, nah. Tell, them you speak your tell, mind, people, yeah, tell the people your favorite. Don't do that. They need to hear it too. Yeah, get the people your I'll, favorites. Man. I love it. And I will say there's something to be said about having some of the the videos like that, like really bring it home from y'all's interpretation of like some of the the musicality and the and the the lyrics. So I really yeah, enjoy yeah. really enjoy seeing that stuff. Um. So, anyways, we'll talk about your background and then you know get into sort of the business sense on the the latter or second half of you know um it's 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 tough, right? It's a real word. <laughs> yes. real, you know my like I said, the the only like um, link I have into the the music business is my my cousin mm -hmm. um, that's in California that's done you know an artist producer um, a manager and now he like teaches a lot of a lot of music and he's right. he's worked with some big names he couldn't say some of the names just due to you know whatever mm -hmm. um, but that NDA mm -hmm. but so some of the people as he said what is it one of the highest paid hip hop artists ever. You know, those kind of people. Okay. okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I see what he did there. May or may not have some headphones. I don't know. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I see what he did. Yeah. Yeah. But cool stuff. But no, again, really excited because there is the, the business side. And I think that's important. So a lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast have to do with like, hey, these different industries and are there like lessons learned across industry? You know, hey, right. there's some marketing that works really well for maybe the food and beverage service. Is that something that, you know, could be linked into the, the music and entertainment side and vice versa? Along with some other stuff, like, you know, we are in Destin, right? I had a buddy on that, that his business is cleaning condos. And so he has his own way of doing business right, right. Um, again. But it's like you listen to it and you're like, oh, man, I bet we could utilize, you know, some of that, that sprinkle fairy dust stuff and, and help us out or whatever. So, uh, yeah, if, if you want, is there whoever wants to go first? Any Anybody? We'll let Oblique, Oblique start okay. off, man. Okay. So, like I said before, I was born at 708. <laughs> but... Um, I don't even know where to start. Uh, you want background first? You want yeah? If you don't mind saying, "Hey, this is where I'm from." Okay, I'm I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm the Georgia. I'm red clay all the way. Zone four, all over the city. You know, what I mean, I've lived on the south side, north side, west side, east side of Atlanta, but Cascade Road is where I call home. Um, 
Uh, grew up a country boy from Georgia, for real, man. Um, I was actually a basketball player primarily most of my life. You know what I mean? Um, that's actually how I discovered um, uh, my gift for the art form of hip hop. Um, so I ended up going to a boarding school in Maine. We're just gonna speed past some of the stuff and I was hurt mm -hmm. and I was in the practice gym getting some shots up. I heard some music coming from the ceiling. I go upstairs, it's a whole multimedia studio up there. Oh wow. Um, and the music technology teacher was in there working on something for a video he was working on. And he was like, do you wanna learn? I was like, yeah. So, you know, 21 years later, here wow. we are. Wow. You know what I mean? So that's my, that's the short of the long version of the story. Did you, when you went up to that area, um, what was like the genre that he was working on for the video? Do you know? I mean, remember? it's it's New England, so a lot of it was like Fish. You know, you heard the band Fish, oh, yeah. uh, Sublime. They were really into that type of stuff okay. up there. Um, but it was um, a lot of uh, snowboarders and skiers. Okay, so what he was actually editing the video, the the sound for was the score for one of their um, snowboarding videos. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So it had some hip hop mixed into it, but the thing that caught my eyes that he was actually making the production. Yeah, he was making the beat for the video. He wasn't like. This was before you could rip stuff off YouTube. This is, you know, 2001. Right. You know what I mean? So he's actually producing the, the score for the, the the snowboarding video. Yeah. And that was the part that caught me. It was like, oh, I want to learn how to do that. Right. And my beats were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I am not a music uh, beat producer. Mm -hmm. um, I can tell somebody that something that sounds good. I can tell somebody that this don't sound good. But right. I ended up finding my specialization in, in sound design and, vo and vocal engineering. Mm. Um, and so it started with making the beats. My beats were terrible, but I started rapping because I didn't have anybody to rap on the beats. Mm. And then after I started rapping, I realized I actually was good at that. Right. I wanted my stuff to sound good. Right. So then I started learning how to engineer my vocals. And that's where I found my love and my passion for. So would you say that you're, you, grew up listening to hip hop is that oh yeah man okay. i'm from atlanta man so i grew up with outcast we're talking about you know what i'm saying oh hey yeah yeah all-time uh, favorites my mother was a singer she was a gospel singer wow. you know i mean she was a minister of music at our church i grew uh, i had a cousin who was a producer for so so deaf okay jermaine dupree and them um so i grew up around music okay you know what i mean i always loved it but it's not something that i was like oh as a kid i wasn't like oh i'm gonna be a rapper Right. You know what I'm saying? No, like, no. I, yeah. Well, it's interesting because some people, like, they'll grow up listening to a certain genre, but then, like, when they actually start to perform, it'll be a different genre just because they've sort of formulated right. something their own later on, you know, whether that was strict parents or something. So that's why I was right. curious if you grew up, you know, listening to hip hop, rap, all that. And that's what. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. To. But I was, I've always been eclectic, man. I like everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I like gospel. I like R&B. Um, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire is my favorite band. You know what I mean? Uh, my favorite song in the world is actually from the Americana genre. So, like, I've always just loved music. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was a TRL baby, BT, uh, VH1. I used, oh, to watch, man. I used to listen to everything. From Carson Daly. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that man. dude, I can't believe he has stuck it out. I mean, he's on The Voice now. You know, hey, like, that dude is stuck in the industry for a really long time. Very proud of that guy, I guess. Yeah, longevity, <laughs> man. How do you stay relevant? I think Drake is the, the king of that at this point. Oh, yeah. Just, you got to stay relevant. All from being a Canadian actor, right? On some, was it a soap opera that he's Yeah, it was a TV show, wasn't it? TV, TV show. show. Yeah, TV yeah, show. yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, whatever works, right? I mean, whatever works. That's pretty cool. So, um, Meech. Meech. That's that's going to, man, because you know what happened? I thought it was something now, man. It's all right. I got you, bro. I got you. What about your background, Meech? So, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. 
You know, the Lions didn't go to the Super Bowl. I'm still hurt about that, but we'll be all right. Hey, man, uh, don't laugh at my dog like that. <laughs> right, right, right. Turn it up to here. But I'm from Detroit, Michigan originally. So uh, I started off, too, like in sports and stuff like that. But my mother, music was always in my house because my mother was a background singer. Uh, she was signed to Motown. She was a background singer for Aretha Franklin for many years. Um, my father was in the military. But uh, so music was always in our house. I didn't start off listening to rap, though. I was an R&B guy. Mm. I wanted to be a singer, but I can't sing. So <laughs> what's the next best thing? Rap it. Nah. <laughs> but now nah, I wanted to be a singer, and my mom didn't want me to be in the music business at all. Mm -hmm. She always warned me about like how cutthroat it is, stuff like that. So it was like sports and stuff for me. And I was always a funny kid, the mm -hmm. funny kid. I'm trying to make people laugh, but. Music came later on. Mm -hmm. Hip hop came to me later on. I fell in love with like the West Coast first, mm -hmm. being from Detroit because it was a, it wasn't that many Detroit artists that was breaking out mainstream. This was before Eminem and all that. Right. So I was more of a West Coast guy. I loved like West Side Connection. You know, Ice Cube. My uh, my uncle let me hear NWA for the first time, and I went crazy. Like he to this day he'll tell you, I'm the reason why he's the reason why I rap because. He let me hear N.W.A. and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be a rapper." There's something about some N.W.A. Yeah, man, it had me turned up, man. It had me like, you know, but so yeah, we did that. I, I was a, grew up half my life in Detroit, moved down here to Fort Wayne around ninth grade, and uh, that's when my music journey really started. I got up with my cousins, and they were rapping, and it was something I did like in the background, kind of like homing my skills, and then I started rapping for them. And they was like, "Oh, you got talent," so and then like I just kept it going, I guess. So do you, like, I noticed, <clears throat> like, a lot of the times, right, with, with the actual videos themselves, like, when you get to that, there's a lot of, you know, lip syncing, if you will. But we were talking about lyrics prior to the the recording. So during the, the videos, do you ever have to, like, do you have, like, a cheat sheet somewhere? Or do you pretty much remember at least that song for that duration of the, of the video, at least? So with making videos, is this is the cheat code. You can do the same thing over and over again. So... Mm -hmm. And they'll match it up to your voice. So if you make a mistake, they might they just won't even use that part. They'll just show a different clip. They'll just yeah. show a different clip. So you really, shoot it over and over and over. Yeah. Yep. So you just really don't. You should know your music. Mm -hmm. Y'all, everybody, learn your music, <laughs> please. But if you don't do it in the video, in editing, they'll fix it. So. Yeah. I think it's, a, uh, uh, it's important to remember you get out of it what you put into it. Right. So if you show up prepared, it's just like, I think a lot of times with young artists, they don't look at their music career as career like this is your job now right you know what i mean so just like you would prepare to go to work you need to prepare to go to work right you know what i'm saying so right. if you the more you know your music the better is the process of shooting the video is going to be yeah yeah no i mean that makes a lot of sense i think yeah like you said that could be anything and everything um it, it's and it's i think that also like the consumer right gets mm -hmm. that too right, right. you, you right. can tell when people put it in there's natural talent but that'll get you so far right, right. i mean it really will uh it's really interesting. We were talking about uh, watching the, the day of pop that was on Netflix and I was talking to somebody, I don't know if it was you or not. Um, but we're talking about how like Cindy Lauper, I mean, whole, I guess like, you know, you hear it and you think, yeah. Oh man, during that time frame, they're really getting into the, the audio mixing. And, but you hear her in that raw moment in that room and you're like, Whoa, Cindy, like, Holy cow. She had some pipes on her. I mean, she right. was quirky, which is great because right. you have the talent you have, you know, you get out what you put in, but also uniqueness, right? Yeah. Like, if you can hear somebody like Macy Gray, like there, oh, yeah. there's no, I, I mean, boy, oh boy, maybe in the world there's like three people, but you hear a Macy Gray, like, you know, that's Macy Gray. It's so unique, right? Yeah. Or 
not even necessarily like the voice, but sometimes maybe like the tempo or something. Right. And it's funny. I was listening to one of your songs and there was a, I don't remember the artist. Sorry. I, there was, I'm trying, trying. There's so many we names. Got you, the we penguins got jump out, but he sounds very close or similar to Eminem. Very similar. I don't remember who it was, but I was like, oh, wow. Like when I just heard it, right. When right. I just like, listen, I was like, right. oh, wow, man, they got the, they got the inside track. They got Eminem. Eminem is expensive. You know, hey, but hey, he's he's going to bring Detroit to the Super Bowl next hey, year. man, he's from Detroit. That's so what he said. I rock with him. So. You know, I, I watched, you know, Spaghetti on my shirt. Like, I, you know, I watched State Mile when it came out. Right. You know, R.I.P. Brittany, right? Because Yeah, straight up. She was good for a little bit. State Mile was a good movie. It was a good movie. Where it is. Every time you watch it, it's good. I, yes. I Anytime. mean, I think so. Mm. I think, you know, Eight Mile, Drumline, huge fan of Drumline. I know, I know. Y'all can judge me. <laughs> no, we, it's what I'm laughing because uh, uh, me and my girlfriend were having this conversation I, about I Drumline. I was in the studio yeah. when we were talking. And we were talking about how it's a classic. It's one of those staple movies. It's like it's so bad that it's good. It's like when you watch it, you, there's nobody watching Drumline. Like This is a good movie. You know what I'm saying? But it's a great movie. Like, I mean... It's poor <laughs> Nick Cannon is 52 children now, but like, you know, right, like right. I mean, stomp the yards like that too. Oh. It's like, it's a terrible movie, but it's so good. Oh, I, do you know what's, <laughs> I literally just watched that two nights ago. I, I, I was, I was watching. I'm like, holy cow, this is terrible. Cause right. there's like, there's step up, right? There's stomp the yard. Mm. Then there was step up and above step up. And yep. they made like four or five of them and all the same plot. Yep. They literally <laughs> I, made the same movie. Drumline and stomp, and stomp Yard is the same movie. Just one is some dancers and one is in the band. So here's the here's the question. I know I'm like we're training off, but we'll get back. Have y'all watched Pitch Perfect? Any of the Pitch Perfect movies at all? I have not. No? No. That's a negative for me. Okay. <laughs> I will tell you it's interesting because some of them can actually sing on there. And I you know, Anna Kendrick or Kendrick, she's like the she's short. I know who she she's is. in trolls. She's one of the trolls. So mm. her and Justin Timberlake are like one of the main so she can actually sing. She can really, really sing, which is surprising how many Actors and actresses, um, Bradley Cooper was mm-hmm. in, um, oh, good Lord, that's embarrassing. He's got a whole uh, album out, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, from, I mean, like, Shallow or Shallows. Yeah. Like, oh, boy, I mean, that is, but he went through a whole, like, iteration of, like, training, like, really just, like, boot camp type training. It's it's funny if you know how to play it right, and then you have that, you know, marketing, I'm a, yeah. this person, and it helps helps boost you. So, Oblique, I don't think we um, heard how you actually came to the Fort Walton Beach So, area. I went to college in Kentucky. Um, and that's where I met, uh, my brother, uh, another one of my business partners, uh, price on the mic. He's, he's one of the strangers as well. Um, and once I graduated college, we went through some terrible stuff, you know, some personal tragedies mm-hmm. and, uh, we just knew we had to get out of Kentucky. Gotcha. Um, and we had already planned, um, to come to Florida, not this part of Florida, but we had already planned, you know, within our five year plan to relocate to Florida. Mm-hmm. And so we just pulled the trigger, you know, this is where we used to come for spring break. Yep. So we were kind of familiar with the area. And uh, yeah, we we did we just set up a plan um, and moved down here and started meeting the right people. Because I'm a strong believer, if you have a plan, you just start working that plan. Mm-hmm. You're gonna meet the right people along the way. Like, don't wait to start. Right. To, don't wait to find the right people to start. Just right. start, and then you're gonna find the right people, and they're gonna find you. What you're looking for is looking for you. That's true. So that's true. That that there's very like a lot of people that I've so I read a lot of books or audio books or whatever, and a lot of people that I've uh, spoken with that are either small or large entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. It is you know putting something out in the world, right? There, there is some balance there, no matter what religion or belief you have, that system, there's that yin and yang, and there is a balance. And so you put that out in the world. Um, and you know, karma is a little piece of that too, you know, a little sprinkle, it'll come yeah. back, you know, maybe subconsciously, but it'll, it'll yeah, come back to a you. Sprinkle. Yeah. A little sprinkle, a little, yeah. little bit of that dust. Uh, oh, we can't say sprinkle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <a little> sprinkle. <laughs> that could be misinterpreted. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Okay, so y'all both came down, and then how did y'all meet? I'll let him tell that story. He tells it better than me. <laughs> so uh, I'm a kind of a staple in the community at this time. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. That's just, I'm sorry. Yeah, That's, so okay. I love it. Okay, keep going. Okay. <laughs> so around this time when, we, when I met my business partner, my brother Oblique, uh, it's about 2015. I'm, I'm a staple in the community. You know, my roots are, are deep in, in the community, if you will. And uh, he was actually working at a liquor store. And I was with, with my buddy at the time. Um, and we're going to the liquor store, you know, to buy a be- to get a beverage, to hang out. And uh, he's like, hey, man, you listen to hip hop? And I'm like, yeah, I listen, to, I listen to rap. You know what I'm saying? He was like, yo, I'm a rapper that I got a CD. So, you know, me being a staple in the community, I'm like, let me hear something. I- I'll get your CD. You know what I'm saying? I'll-, I'll grab your CD, but let me hear something. Let me hear you rap. So he raps, and uh, my boy's like standing next to me. And he's nice. He's de- I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, let me get the CD. So I give him, uh, you know, because they're taking donations. I think I give him like a 10 or whatever. So I go and listen to the CD. And uh, a mutual friend of ours, Scotty, they're doing shows at like the Green Door and everything like that. You know what I mean? So I start showing up and like, you know, showing love, showing support to him. And me and him got cool and he figured out I could rap and. Yeah, I think the rest is history. He can fill in the blanks and everything else. But, yeah, it all started. He said I was acting Hollywood on him. And yeah, I was man. like, yo, rap for me, yo. <laughs> yo, spit something. Let me hear it then, you know? And hip-hop is a competitive sport. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Course. It's a competitive sport. So when he – I'm just – you understand, when I'm working at this liquor store, I'm moving 50 CDs a day just using the strategy that I came up with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So when I met him that day, I gave him the same line I give to everybody, like a gypsy in the airport, the mm-hmm. same the same spiel. And he hit me with the, okay, rap something. But it was the way he said it. I'm like, <laughs> you talking to me like I'm a poop up. Like, I ain't, gonna, I ain't scared, bro. So I started, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think what really brought it together is uh, another um, EU veteran, Redwood original, um, Chris Carter. He lives in Texas now. But he knew Chris Carter, yeah. and I and, and I was really close to Chris Those Carter too. And Chris kind of really like connected us. Oh, that's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, just the, the mutual love that we had for Chris. Yeah, and that really brought us together. Yeah. You know, but I think what really impressed me the most about Meech um, is that I had been doing it for so long, and people knew I ran a studio and knew I had all these skill sets or whatever. But people always came to me like this. They always came with their hand out, mm. wanting something from me. Mm. And he never did that. Mm-hmm. He would show up to the shows. He knew about the shows before I would even tell him about it. He would just see the promotion. And he would come to the shows, but he would bring people with him. Mm-hmm. He never asked to get on stage. He wasn't even trying to be a rapper. Mm-hmm. He was just trying to support. He genuinely supported what we were doing. Right. And he did it in action. Like He showed love in action, not in theory. Right. You know what I mean? And so as we kept developing and... Uh, you know, I, I'd make him freestyle in the shows and everything. You know what I mean? And that, was that the payback? No, it was the, just I knew that he. Hey, could remember rap. that one time on the corner and the, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the liquor store? You remember? Right. That? <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a little bit of that, <laughs> but I knew he could rap. But we would always do a cipher at the end of the show, so I was always just like, you know, and he would always do it. And with him being a staple in the community and the people knowing him, it meant a lot for the people that were there to see him on stage. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of helped grow what we were already building. And I, I've always said it openly and publicly. Like, we already had our thing going. Me and my brother with Strange Tang, we already had our thing going. We had the artist commu- side of the community. Mm-hmm. But he gave us the city. Wow. Because he's respected that much. That's really cool, man. You know what I'm saying? That's really cool. Who would have known? I didn't know. Yeah, man. I I was, but shout out to Chris. And uh, to piggyback off of that, like, yeah. So Chris was my boy. 
uh, I knew Chris, and he would always be like, man, because I would rap with him, and he'd be like, man, yo, I'm on a label. It's my guy. He was like, you got to come to a show. So I came to a show, and that's when I realized I knew him. So I'm telling my people, I'm like, yo, these strange thing dudes, they're good. Because I used to rap. I was in a group called The Young Mob when I was when I was younger, like a teenager. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had some success in the city, too. So, But uh, we ended up going our separate ways and doing different things. So I, I just stopped rapping after that. You know what I mean? Started growing up. Started trying to put my hands in other ventures. And uh, it kind of like fell back in my lap because I always loved music. But I didn't want to rap anymore. And I knew these guys were talented. So I'm like, yo, I'm just going to put everything behind them right but due to chris being so persistent and like yo you need to get back into this you need to do this and then me and him building it building a kinship you know because i would be in the studio with them with him to four or five in the morning wow mixing songs watching him mix <clears throat> doing things like that and so then um, i just started to get back into it started making music with him and then we built it a bond and it just went from there so oblique you said that you were excuse me, you said that you were part of a studio or owned a studio or something like that. At, at what point did that, like where, where did that fall in? Like, was that when you were down here, you had a studio or? So I started actually Elevated Underground is the name of, is the name of our company. Okay. Um, I actually started that when I was in college. Okay. So um, when I got back into school, we're going to, we're going to speed past what happened to me getting back in school. Um, I started Elevated Underground then while I was um, getting my theater degree. Okay. Um, because I wanted to take the things that I was learning, um, things that I was learning about the entertainment industry and the art of production, I wanted to incorporate it immediately into what I was doing. Okay. Um, so Elevated Underground Studio started there in 2008. And then we, when we moved to Florida, it came with us to Florida. So before we had our commercial space, we were actually just recording out of our townhouse. <laughs> we actually got a, a couple of evictions because we was recording at the townhouse. <laughs> this is before me. Yeah. Um, and then we got the commercial space in downtown Fort Walton Beach. Um, and we've been down there about eight years now. Yeah. I definitely want to, like, later on, I want to pull the thread on, like, you know, the, the financing. Was it loan, you know, friends and family a little bit later on? But I was just curious about that because you had mentioned it and I, I didn't know where that, like, fit into everything. Mm-hmm. So you said, I think, also that you really enjoyed, like, the technicality part, right? So you went up. Right uh, in college, there was, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunate incident. No more basketball. Right. Not to say not now. There's all kind of stuff. I can get a bio knee right. and bio whatever. Now you just, right. you know, hey, and I got a little by the pool. We could go practice gotcha. some dunking. <laughs> I might need it now for my <laughs> rehab. <laughs> Rehabbing. Rehabbing. I got the jets. I got the there jets on the, the hot tub. No, uh, but I do. So, anyways, <laughs> so. What what drew you into that? You know, like you, you enjoy that side, and so was it just seeing that that promotion and are are the you said it was the the background layout for the snowboarding video and just seeing all that technical equipment. You know, because you you mentioned like, hey, I grew up, you know, I went to college, and now you know, the theater side, but you've never mentioned like, hey, I really enjoyed computers, any any mm. that sense. So where did that technical side come into play? How how did I that? I think it's hereditary. Partly, I'm a nerd, man. Like I when I, I was a kid, I used to. Tear up my uh, my dad bought me a Nintendo system. I took it apart, see how it worked. I couldn't put it back together. But <laughs> my dad's ex military as well. He's mm-hmm. a master technician, so my dad knows how. To, man, my dad didn't even need specs for the Nintendo, and he still put it back together. Wow. Like he's that incredible. Anything that has to do with electricity, plumbing, you know, HVAC, any, anything that has to do with electricity and just being good at yeah being a technician. He knows how to do all of that stuff. Um, so I got uh, into computers young because my dad was a calibration specialist for Delta okay. after he got out of the military. Okay. Um, even after my parents got divorced, um, 
my stepdad bought us a home computer. So I was always on there just tinkering. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I got to boarding school, I mean, I, I just always, I've just always been a nerd for technology. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Um, and so when it came to the music um, technology part of it, it just came natural. Um, I think that's one thing that makes our partnership really well in terms of when we make music, because mm -hmm. I am so technically sound. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get too technically sound. Mm -hmm. And he's a very much a feeling guy. Like, how does this feel? The intuition part. You know right? what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I just fell in love. I fell in love with the technical side of it just because I'm a nerd. Like, it's all math, man. All sound engineering is is math. If you understand physics and how sound waves move, yep. you can engineer. Frequencies. Yeah, man. Yeah. It, it, yeah. RF signal, UHF, UH, all, the fun, all the fun things, man. All yeah. the fun things. And you, some, I mean, everybody's not an audiophile. Everybody that does music don't care. I have plenty of artists that come record me. They don't care what I do. They just make it sound good. I'm like, I got you. So I know you mentioned earlier that you were, so I, and I didn't realize until you said it, but you were actually working at the liquor store or were you actually external to the liquor store? No, I was working at the liquor store. Okay, you're working yeah, I was at, a night manager up there. Okay, so what, because I know, unfortunately, right, some of some of our uh, <laughs> some of our things that we love don't pay the bills all the time. Right. So, is there another part time job or something that you do now? Um, so I'm actually one of the managers at Tijuana Flats in Fort Walton Beach. Ah, okay. Um, yep. So I'm there. Um, we have Elevated Underground actually, um, in one of one of the owners of Marathon Capital Investments out of Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, shout out to MCI. Uh, shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, I I do a little bit of everything. Sure. You know what I mean, but music will always be. The passion. It right. may not always pay all the bills. Right. You know what I mean? So in this economy, man, you kind of have to have a little bit of everything going on. No, I get it. And what about you, Mitch? Well, you know, I bartend. I, I sling drinks uh, at the local eatery, shameless plug. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I also uh, am a owner, part owner in uh, Elevated Underground. And I also uh, own a credit counseling company, Hollywood Credit Counseling. I help people fix their credit, wow. give them tools to have a better life with credit, show them how to use the credit the right way. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just will fix your credit and don't give you the tools to keep it. I give you the whole layout and how to do it, how to keep it, what to do, the right way to use your credit cards. And and I'm also a stand-up comedian. That's where a lot of the money comes from, me doing stand-up comedy. Wow, I didn't know that part. Yeah. Um, so as far as the, the, um, the, the side hustle, right? So it's funny because my, my buddy, who is now like – in the Air Force, the enlisted structure is like the top tier enlisted structure. And we were talking about his backstory. And so he used to work in L.A. at like, uh, I think it was Martin Luther Hospital, right? Like okay. MLK Hospital. And um, he was like, yeah, you know, he was a waiter, right? Mm. In, in that area. And everybody was like, oh, you want to be an actor? He's like, actually, no, I'm, I'm an EMT. Like, right. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to make it, you right. know, like, because and you wouldn't even think because, again, a lot of people, right, they really have a passion with acting or something like that. And there's always that part time gig that helps sort of feed that sometimes. Right. I mean, you know, until until, you know, That's that real. next tier or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so as far as like the I was curious, I want to pull a thread a little bit on the, the art theater part, because you said, hey, I went to college for theater and then I want to incorporate it. Were you, did you do the audio engineering side of the theater or were yep. you more in the like um, performing side of the house on that? So uh, my degree is in theater acting administration. So it's more of the business of how a theater ah. house is ran. Wow. Um, I had to do acting. Obviously I, I love acting. You know mm -hmm. I mean? I love being on stage in general. Mm -hmm. um, I did a lot of sound designs for our productions. Um, I actually never went to school for sound engineering. Wow. That part of it is self-taught and just being in the studio with other engineers that are better than me, YouTube University, having mentors that I can call and be like, hey, I'm having this problem. Mm -hmm. How do I fix this problem? So the engineering part is just, it's what I wanted to do, so I learned how to do it. But learning the business of entertainment is what I wanted to learn in college. 
I got you. Um, so that was the theater. De- that was why I got the theater degree in acting administration. I wanted to learn how to um, take an idea and turn it into a product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Meech, you said earlier that, you know, you guys met in the studio or worked in the studio for long periods of time. Like what's, what would you say is like the longest day you've had? Like as far as hours go. The longest day in the studio, probably maybe from like uh, eight o'clock at night to maybe like four in the morning. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, I, you know, again, I, I just want to go back. Right. So, cause you said, Hey, my, my favorite band is it band group earth, wind and fire mm-hmm. and, you know, Lionel and then watching that, that Netflix show. And I didn't, again, right. So you hear it and you go, man, whatever, but then you see the talent and the fact that he did, I think it was the AMAs and then went and then they did that show all right. night long yeah. till seven in the morning. Yeah. And to think that they still have to have their vocal cords after hanging out, maybe having an adult beverage or two or whatever, you know, celebrating, clapping, whatever, and then go to actually have to perform at their level. So it's it's always interesting because I know like a lot of the time, uh, and you can correct me if I'm not wrong, it, yeah. a lot of the time is, you know, you're able to put down the vocals or the track and then you start to actually engineer it, right? And you're mm-hmm. adjusting and you might have to go back in and go, hey, Meech, go back in and, and do this again, right? You right. know, whatever, what we're going to change the tone or frequency of that particular, you know, verse or whatever, right. and you got to go back in and do it. So, but do you, have you ever found yourself like, like starting to lose your voice after a day of whether that's like the music video or recording or anything? So, I'll go ahead. So, so in our, in our genre, we do hip hop, we rap. So it's a little different. Um, what I like to do, how my recording process is I'll record the track and he's in there. He's my engineer, of course, too. And I'll record my track and I'll take it home with me. And then I'll master it, then I'll come back in and I'll lay it down so it doesn't take that long for me. But that's because I have a studio <laughs> that we own that I can go to. So right. the 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 long hours for us is really the mix and mastering part. Because the recording, you can just sit in there for a few hours, you record, mm-hmm. and, and then we'll be like, okay, this we got enough, and then we'll put it in, we'll do our thing, and then you come back. So instead of the long, unless you want to pay for those long blocks, but I think the big, the longest block you do is what, four hours? Oh yeah, and I do that for my ears. Yeah. Um. So I like. Um. I always try to take a fifteen minute break. You know, within every thirty to forty five minutes, I take a fifteen minute break just to rest my ears because after, uh, exhaustion is real. Right. Like after listening to frequencies for so so long, like everything starts sounding the same. Right. So if you just keep going, you gonna listen to it the next day and you gonna be like, oh hell no. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, I don't, and I try not to be in there for more than four hours simply because we're not going to be able to get much done after four hours. Yeah. Exhaustion is a real thing. Um, and then a lot of the artists that I work with are not yet professionals. So that was another thing. It's like, uh, you know, a lot of artists want, think they want to do this, but they don't understand that if you really want to do this and be world-class, there's a certain level of work ethic you have to have. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at, I always call music a sport because to me it is a sport. It takes the same type of mentality, um, sacrifice, et cetera. But if you think about world-class athletes, professional athletes, everybody's not considered to be a professional athlete. Right. Professionals work at a certain level. They work mm-hmm. at a pro level. It's right. the same thing in music. Professional musicians work at a professional level. Right. Now you're taking that and then thinking about the fact that most artists, when they start, don't have a budget. So now you have to work these jobs too. Yep. You got to go work 40 hours somewhere. and You still have to make time for this thing that you love. Right. So when you're talking about long days, sometimes it's not just the making the music part. Sometimes it's you gotta go to work for eight hours, get something to eat, and then go to the studio. Yeah. That's what I do every day. Mm-hmm. I go to work, <laughs> and I get something to eat, and then I go to the studio, and I work all night until it's time to go to bed. Right. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, but I think the longest day for me was the Texas show. I think oh, yeah. touring season is probably the most exhausting part of what we do. I remember one time we did yes. like 21 shows in one month. In one month, yeah. 21 shows? In, in the one month, month of September, and I think it was like, what, 30 yeah, days? That was after DZ, the DZ album dropped? Yeah, we did 28 shows in, or 21 shows in a month. Yeah. We were basically always either at work or on the road heading to a show. And we did a te- the Texas trip was so crazy because he drove, he's always the driver. I'm always the you know, passenger guy, but we're a group. It's a group of five of us at the time. I think the group was like six of us with a DJ. We went to Texas, which was 12 hours, did the show, turned around, came right back. Everybody went back to work. Went back to work. And I think we had another show that next day. Wow. That's so, I mean, you know, with the exception of, of, you know, the audiophile side of the house with the ears, the vocal, the driving, you know, that performance, right? Because you want to give all you're out there. Yeah. I'm assuming, you know, you know, you say you got some back stuff going on, but like, does that that's gonna wear on your body too, it right? Does. It yep. wears on your body, your mental, your body, everything. But mm. the thing about it is, is we kind of like, you know, we're the yin and yang. Mm. So we try to keep everything, you know, because what people don't see, people just see the success. They don't see the process. They don't see the the heartache. But once you work and you don't work the twelve hour shift. And we meet up, everybody meet up, make sure you got your stuff, get on the road, go do this show, get paid or whatever, and then you have to turn around and come back. You barely sleep. So taking care of your body, man. And I think mm. the thing with him is he's just built like that, man. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I, I love about this guy. He's he's really built like that. Sometimes I have to tell him, hey man, let me do some stuff. <laughs> Cause you're doing too much, bro. And, and mm-hmm. it's not in a bad way. It's just like, bro, you gotta take some of this pressure off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But he's built like that. He's he like I say, he's a nerd. He's the computer guy. He's the he's the robot. You know, I'm more of the feeling guy. I'm the more of the putting the fillers out there, getting people to listen and feel. But he's the he's the machine. He's the motherboard. You know right. what I'm saying? And sometimes you got to give your computer a rest. Yep. Yep. No. Yeah, because it overheat. Yeah. Man, I think there's a gene. I think that I think that some people just have winter genes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you can teach somebody. It's like you know, if somebody's not athletic. You can work with them. They'll get a little more athletic. Right. But a winner, I think, is a mental thing. You have to train every part of your body. Like people don't understand, we're talking about traveling and doing shows and being in the studio. Well, for like two years, me and him were in the gym working out every morning. Every morning before getting all this other stuff done, just to make sure that we could be on those stages for forty-five minutes. Wow. You know what I mean? And then understand, like, I think us coming from a sports background helped too, especially basketball. Mm-hmm. I was a point guard. He was a point guard. And the biggest thing about being a point guard is being a coach on the floor, understanding your personnel. Some nights I might not be able to give you all the energy. So somebody else got to pick that energy up to help me because I'm tired today. Yep. And us, we've always been very good at that. Like he knows that I know how to fall back when it's time to fall back. He can be strong where I'm weak. I can be strong where he's weak. Mm -hmm. And we just, we've always had that chemistry. You know what I mean? But I've noticed that I've always been, magnetically attracted to other people with the winning gene. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I don't like people that don't want to win. Right. I don't want to be around you. Right. You know what I mean? And it's not to say that I don't dis- I dislike you. I just I don't want to be around people that don't want to win. I want to be around people that want to win cuz I want to win. Has that ever affected you so when you have these young artists or new artists coming in and they're you know, a lot of people use their term and I don't like it but like entitled, right? Cuz it's a generational thing. Everybody's grown up with different, you know, capabilities and technology and you know, they they can have things instantaneous where if you go back a couple of generations, there was a lot of like work and effort to have things like, hey, I had to go bust open the Britannica, you know, encyclopedia back in the day. Now right. I just boop, boop, Google it and it'll just come back up. 
So have you ever noticed, because again, right, the same in the, the music and the musicality side um, and that industry is there was, it was very, I think, I don't not say very, but it was more well known, I think, you know, because now people just like you said, they show on TikTok or whatever, like, oh man, this person, you know, made it like, oh man, I can do that too. And everyone tries and they don't put in the, the, the hour. So I asked my cousin when he was on, I said, when did you know you made it? Right. Mm. When did you know? And he goes, you know, don't get me wrong. There's a really good book by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. And they talk about the Beatles doing over 10,000 hours. Right. There's a whole 10,000 hours to master something. And they were doing show after show and fine tuning their group and their sync and everything. And the same boat for him. He goes, you know, one, at one point I, w- I got invited to go to this house to go do a recording. And he's like, when I pulled up to the house and, you know, X, Y and Z were there. And like, that's when I knew I made it. Right. Mm. But I think that level of effort and all the, that time and energy, like you just said, right, it's physical fitness, spirituality, mentality, all those things, the emotional side has to be there. So when you have those young artists come into the studio, have you ever found like you got to like sit down and talk to them and be like, hey, man, I, I got it. Like, you're not going to just come in one time, drop it and we're done. Right. There's all this stuff behind the scenes and you're going to have to continue putting effort in. Have you ever had to have those talks with those folks? Absolutely. I mean, we call the studio, one of the nicknames we have for the studio is the sanctuary. And not even just on the, so far on the, uh, hey man, I need you to take this serious. This is what it takes. Because yes, we have those conversations. I actually had to learn how to not have those conversations with artists. Sometimes it is a business. Sometimes if they don't care, I I can't care more than you. Mm. You know what I mean? Sometimes I don't let you pay your money and get your stuff recorded and then Mm -hmm. you go do what you want to do. But the artists that we do see that, that take it serious or at least have shown some some type of level of seriousness. Sure. Yes, we'll have those conversations. Mm-hmm. But it is the sanctuary because I feel like what we do, the the thing that God gave us with this studio is the artists that come in there and record with us, they find at the end, by the end of this session, they're their truest self. Mm. They might come in there trying to be a rapper or what they think they're supposed to look like in the studio, mm-hmm. but by, there's no cameras in there. Mm-hmm. So by the end of it, you see Oh, this is who you really are. Mm-hmm. You know, they're laughing. They sometimes they try to be hard. They come to try to be hard or whatever. <laughs> but by the end of the session, when they see us just being ourselves, yeah, right, it, it inspires them to just relax, just be you, bro. Yeah, because that's what translated on the record. Mm. If you're not gangster and you rapping about some gangster shit, it's not gonna sound right. Yeah, you they, know what I'm saying. They, they always say, right, be your most authentic self, you right? Like to. that's mm-hmm. crazy story. Uh, when I first started recording with O, I'll never forget this. He sent me a message. And he was like, mm. as an artist, who are you? I never had that answer before. And keep in mind, I have been in a group. We had some success. But he was like, as an artist, who are you? And I thought about it for a minute. And I just wrote him. I was like, hey, man, I'm not gimmicky. I'm not this, that, and the third. I was like, I just want to do this for my people. Because so many people wanted me to do music. And so many people believed in me. I just want to do it for the people that's forgotten about. Mm. And our first song we ever recorded together was Forgotten Ones. And it was a, a dope track. And he, uh, it was my song. And he had went through somewhere. He lost someone close to him. And he and I was just about to write him and ask him, did he want to get on the song with me? And he writes me and go, hey, man, do you mind if I get a verse on the song? Wow. And that was, I think that was the culmination of our friendship. And everything else took off from there. Yeah. So being your authentic self is okay. And I think a lot of young artists don't understand that because they see the glitz and glamour. Mm-hmm. But what you have to understand, you see Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion rapping about F a dude, they don't need a dude, mm-hmm. but all these women are in relationships. Mm-hmm. So you have to find in yourself, and that's what's going to resonate with the people. Right. I'd rather have a thousand true fans than a million ones that's fake, mm-hmm. that's phony. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Because those thousands are going to keep me fed, going to keep my family fed, right. and they're going to resonate, and I'm going to resonate, and I'm going to keep being able to tour and do my thing for a long time. She, she did go off on somebody with a shoe, right? Cardi B, I saw the video. Allegedly. I, I mean, I alleg- allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, it was the camera angle was all yeah. wrong. <laughs> no, that's really good, man. Um, no, I do appreciate you saying that. So, uh, you know, talking about authenticity and, you know, the partnership and, and that raw emotion that y'all have as a group, right? A brotherhood, a group. Right. Um, so, so what inspires, like, the lyrics? Because that's, you know, that's like the bread and butter, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, right? There's the melody, all that, but like, you know, ultimately it's, it's the lyrics. So where, where does that stem from? Is, do y'all respectively, cause we haven't talked about writing at all yet. Do y'all write? Is it some other artists? Um, you know, how, how does that actually come about? I mean, I write all my own I stuff. I write my own stuff too. Um, but, but, <laughs> but let's, let's, let's be fair. You yeah. know what I mean? Because like, there's been times where I'll be stuck on a line and I'll be, we'd be in there together or one of the other guys, you know what I'm saying? And they'll be like, Hey, what about this? So there is collaboration, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Hip hop, you gotta you gotta write your own stuff, man. Like yeah. I think that lyrics are supposed to come from a real place. Now, do I? Does every lyric have to be a hundred percent honest? No, it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can but you, it's like being an actor. Like most actors find themselves in the role. You have to bring yourself. What what part of me is in this role? You know what I mean? But it's the same thing with make with writing a verse, man. Like okay, what's the concept of the song? What is my experience? What is what is my experience with this concept in my real life? Mm-hmm. Now, how do I make it entertaining? What's what's the balance, right? And I think you mentioned, and this is where sorry, because like my my I love genre, I love hip hop and rap. I I'm really stuck on sort of like the '90s and prior to that, and some of the newer stuff. And I think even one of your lyrics and one of your song was like, um, oh, this is your, go ahead, throw, throw throw darts at me, but it was something. I don't know if it's the same song, but it was like this is no BS, this isn't mumble rap, something something yeah, like that. Yeah, surprise. Yeah, is that? Is yeah, that? yeah, yeah. So, but, but I appreciate that because I've tried. Like, you go to the top 100 songs or whatever, and the top three, and like, I, I have a hard time because I very much enjoy storytelling and I enjoy the melody and the tones that come from all genres, like you said, right, eclectic, and I really appreciate being able to hear the story and what's being conveyed, and that's why to me lyrics are really important. I, I think there are some that you know sometimes there's just lyrics, like you know, for the yeah. entertainment side, and you get the melody and the and the, the deep bass, which is phenomenal. It's fantastic, and that that is what it is. But there's sometimes like you're trying to share a message, right? right? And if you try to do that, and it's so hard for the consumer to like interpret that out of what you're doing or saying, whether that's like you've audio auto tuned it so much, and then you're mumbling, and I'm like, I, it's lost on me. It's right. really lost right. on me. So that's why, like, I, I did, like I said, I've I've listened, I've listened in the past, and I've more more recently listened to more and more, um, and I can't appreciate that. Like I was telling you, right, the the one about the the Miami, I think that's really cool. I think that's like mm-hmm. I, that's a fun, neat, like local thing um, right. that that y'all had, and um, yeah, yeah, like I believe it was, is it again? Forgive me, me and mine is that the one where you talk about we only have much, I only have so much time, yeah, right? I only live? got one sh- one chance this time, yeah. If I, I die, me and mine gonna grind. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Like that to me is like a great like lyric, musicality and lyric, you know, combined mm-hmm. and like that resonates, right? I'll remember that forever. That was that was awesome. And see, with us, it's it's five of us in the in the main group, the strangers. Uh, and to me, what I like to do, and he he always gives me a pat on back about this. I know when to get in and get out. Like, could I be on every song? Sure, I could. But this song doesn't fit me, so why would I force myself to get on it? And a lot of people say, man, you always on the, you on the good songs, like people that I know. And I'm like, it's not that I'm on a good song. This song just fits me so much. It's me. And when I write from a place, I write from a place like, hey, my brother knows me. These people over here know me. So if I'm writing about something that's fabricated or I'm embellishing too much, because it is entertainment, you embellish a little bit. Mm-hmm. These people around me are going to be like, 
you know that ain't right. You know you tripping. You know what I'm saying? You know that's not you. So what's the balance? I was watching a video, you know, like anybody else. I, I do like social media to a point. I was watching a video, and I, I forgot the rapper's name. And he was they were trying to make a music video in front of a house. And, like, this huge crew comes up on the street and starts challenging them. And they're like, hey, did you ask permission to be oh, in our the neighborhood? Baby. The yeah. baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what is the balance between being, like, entertaining and, and coming across hard to remaining remaining authentic and going like you know what I mean like what what is that balance because are there are there potentials of over embellishment where you could get yourself into trouble in that instance Absolutely. right like hey I'm hard I'm hard I'm hard you go on this thing and everyone's like you're you're saying you're hard let's go and you're right. like holy holy cow and I put myself in this position that is that is not beneficial to me or anybody else <laughs> it happens else. all the time man it happens all the time uh, at the end of the day um hip hop culture is very much connected to street culture um, it came from the street. I'm not necessarily like illegal activity or gang activity or, you know, but it came, it came from the streets. Right. You know what I mean? It was how they reported the news in their community. Right. That's where hip hop comes from. Mm -hmm. um, so you got to be who you actually say you are in this game or you're going to have a whole lot of security. And you see a lot of these guys have a whole lot of security. You know what I mean? But I think the, the best thing that you can possibly do is just actually be yourself. Mm -hmm. Like if I say I'm going to slap you, I really will slap you, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? But I'm not gonna be on the song like, I slap every one of y'all, cause I'm not gonna slap every one of y'all. <laughs> you, know you know what I mean? Cause if I say I'm gonna slap everybody at this show, I mean, it's happened at shows. People talking crazy and then, yeah. okay, you find, okay, well somebody here really gonna see if you with that. You're gonna prove it out. Yeah, yeah so I mean, you gotta be who you really are. I can't say that every lyric that I write is positive, but anything yeah. that I say negative, I mean it. Mm -hmm. It's actually what I believe. It's actually something I've experienced. I make a lot of my personal music is very introspective, you know what I mean? Because I, I, I suffer from bipolar depression. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when I'm in one of those depressed moods, I have to get it out. So some of that stuff is negative, mm -hmm. but it's how I actually feel. It's not a lie. Right. And so just like when I say something positive, I don't like a fake positive rapper. Mm -hmm. You rapping all this positive stuff, yeah. but when I meet you, your energy terrible. Yeah, you just as you as worse as the as the fake gangster rapper. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Talking about Will, Will Smith. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Will Smith. Know. <laughs> but the universe always says yes. That's something you always got to remember. So whatever you put out, you're gonna get back. Mm -hmm. And if you're not authentic, nine times out of ten is gonna come out that you're not. You yeah. know, I I just live life. I put my the music out for the ones that gravitate to it, and I hope more gravitate to it. Mm -hmm. But Always remember, the universe always says yes. So whatever you're doing, it's going to come back to you. I like that. I like that. And that's, that's how you find your fan base, man. Yeah. That's how you find your fan base. When you're your actual self, you actually get real fans because you're going to connect with people that think like you, that feel right. like you. But if you're pretending to be something you're not, then nope. Nobody's going to like that, man. Right. Yeah. It's, it's I, you know, like I do, like I said, I have, I, maybe I didn't say, I have also interest in almost every genre there is, to, to be honest with you. Um, and I've watched some of the uh, huge documentary type fan and like the where hip hop, like you said, where it came from and the old school, like mixing tables and how that started. And like the parties like, oh, man, what is this new like right. mixing? Like that was a big deal back in the day. That wasn't, you know, like I think it was New York. It started, I, man, that's the New York, the Bronx. Yep, yeah, Bronx. man. Watching that kind of stuff is really cool, man. So so I know that you said you travel with artists and a DJ. How pivotal pivotal is it for y'all to have a DJ and does it remain, the, is it the same DJ or are you able to pull in other people depending on where you're going? So we have the DJ. Oh, snap. We have one yeah. of the founding, <laughs> the founding fathers of hip hop. He's a DJ Cool Ice Water. 
formerly known as Master Ice of the Jazzy Five MCs. So if anybody listening, y'all can do your research. He was like one of the pioneers of hip hop. He literally, when they were laying the bricks of hip hop, he was there. Wow. And he's our DJ. You know, he's getting a little older now, so I don't know. We might have to get another one <laughs> one, one of these days. But yeah, they he, just inducted him to the Hip Hop Hall of Fame. Yeah, was that 2019? No way. Yeah, wow. he's in the Hip Hop Hall of Fame. Yeah, wow. he's in the Hip Hop Hall of Fame. And he's just, and he's someone that keeps us sharp and ain't afraid to let us know, like, what real hip hop is. And it, oh, that's cool. So, yep. Keeps you, like, grounded, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And bless him, man. Yeah. Wow. And he don't bite his tongue on how he feels about <laughs> He ain't always right. No, he's not always he right. He ain't always right. <laughs> That's a fact. But I do respect that he's going to say how he feels. Right. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things like we we trust him because we know he really wants what's best for us. Yeah. And so we travel with him as much as much as we can. As many shows as we can have him on those ones and twos behind us, Yeah. we, we try to have him there. He can't always be there. Mm-hmm. So then you'll have to use the house DJ or we'll find somebody else. But sure. I don't trust anybody like I trust him. Right. It's been our sense. So you talked about, I think, earlier on, um, and it was sort of how you, you really got him on stage, if you will, but like at the end of the shows you had, I forgot what the term is. Cypher. A cypher. Yeah, what, is, what does that mean? So it's just like a, a random people literally rapping in a circle. Like you rap, you take, you start rapping, mm-hmm. then I'll pick it up and he's start oh, rapping and pick it up. Like a freestyle circle. It's a freestyle okay. circle, yeah. It's funny, like I've done that without rapping, but we'll tell a story and like the next person has to pick up the story and keep mm-hmm. going. But in, and okay, I didn't realize, okay, yeah. Cypher, that's yeah. cool. So like, is that, is that, you say random people, are those people from the audience as well? Or is that just? Sometimes, sometimes it's the group, but it, a Cypher is really just to show off your talent. Like who's, who's. Yeah, really, you got something to say, get up yeah, here and say it. Get mm-hmm. it off your chest. Yeah. And that's that's like not rehearsed. That's real. That's real. Yeah, that well, we don't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, but for the first, yeah, a couple of years we did. For a, few, for a few years, if you came to an elevated underground show, a stranger show, at the end of the show, it's gonna be a cipher. Wow. Yeah. That's so, how you find talent too. I was gonna say, what what made y'all stop that? Is it just too big now? I think it's the pandemic because we used to um, uh. we used to Green Door was like our home venue. Mm-hmm. Green Door in Fort Walton Beach is not there anymore. Um, but that was our home venue. Like. That's what the place people knew us from. Mm-hmm. Um, so we used to do a lot of shows there. So it was kind of the staple of of that venue for us. Right. You know, what I mean, we'd bring artists in from out of town. We get a bunch of local um, uh, local support. Um, we get artists from the area. We try to always have one artist that's not from here at right. every show. Um, and we would do our shows, and then at the end, all the artists would get up there. We'd cipher anybody in the crowd got something to say because a lot of artists would come watch the shows too, awesome. even though they weren't on the roster. Yeah. And so you just, like you said, it's how we used to find a lot of new talent. Yeah. So, so I want to sort of bridge the gap, right. From the, the business side, um, you know, you, you have the ability to find talent from these new artists. So we talked a little bit like, right. The lyrics, the, the musicality, um, you know, the, the frequencies being the, the audio file, uh, how, how y'all met, right. The background. Um, Cause I definitely want to get into the business instance, but, but prior to that, it's, it's interesting to see how many different people like come into uh, the hip hop community. Um, and one of the things like, you know, again, right. What does music do? It tells stories. So I always like to ask if you have any good stories. So I think that's a good gap, you know, bridge the gap into the, into the business side, but I have to know, I have to know some good stories, man. Cause everyone has the good stories. We got, I mean, you know, not to say like, Oh, I got five children. People don't know about, it. I'm just saying like you, that, that you feel that you feel comfortable sharing. I'm they feel o, comfortable sharing. I'm gonna let O give a story and then I'll give a story. I don't really have a story. I have a favorite memory, <laughs> a favorite moment uh, of something that happened. So uh one of the 
goals we had when we started doing this together was to to perform at the vinyl, to become staples of the vinyl in Pensacola. Uh, and we achieved that. Shout out to Dick Flagstar for that alley-oop. Um, he got us in the door and we did the rest. You know what I'm saying? Um, but we we started to build a name for ourselves to a level where we started getting booked to open for a legendary acts. So one of the acts that we got to open for was Naughty by Nature. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I think somebody went on before us. But yeah. everybody knew that we were in the building because like before the show, we went out front and we just, it's a line around the building and like people was recognizing us. And like we are eating this, we met some dude, he was like, man, you got fans, y'all don't even know. Yeah. Like, it was, it was like, like literally it was becoming a thing. So yeah. when it got time for us to get ready to go on stage, we had a chant back there. We they hear us chanting. You can hear the crowd just it's getting electric. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. getting electric. I got chill, a chill just thinking about it. It was getting electric, man. And when we hit that stage, what I'm talking about, we destroyed it, dominated it. We had so many people in the in the crowd that had our shirts on. Like wow. it was we destroyed it, dominated it. Um, in our minds it was our show, not not about nature. <laughs> but you know, they have a green room. Mm-hmm. So they're up in the green room and they can see <laughs> what's happening on stage. They can see the whole show from the green room. So when they ended up coming on stage and doing their set and they murdered it, I mean, they're still. Shout out Tretch. He was, yeah. They're still incredible. Yeah. They're incredible. But the last song they did, they brought us on stage. Every They brought all the strangers on stage and everybody that had one of our shirts on, they let us all come on stage to, to finish their, their set. And we performed with them, wrecked it, and then they invite us up to the green room. So we had like a little after party with Donnie by Nature. Wow. Yeah, man. It was legendary, man. Yeah. That, that's one of my favorite stories, just favorite memories of of you know what this journey has rewarded us with. You know what I'm saying? That's really cool. I mean, we got a couple stories. This is one this is one of my favorite moment stories, okay? So when we were first getting started as the strangers, you know, we do our sets, we have our set shows. And of course, when we do shows, a lot of our shows, there's no background vocals. So we're backgrounding each other. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, and Oblique was going to see his kids in Louisiana. And now I'm, I'm responsible for putting the set list together. So we have this big show at night, right? And O's like, I'm on the way back. I'm going to be here at this such and such time. Now keep in mind there's five of us. Now we all know each other's lyrics. Me and O know each other's lyrics and everybody else's lyrics because we always hype up the song. Mm. So I'm like, oh man, we're doing this song and so I have to do O's lyrics because I don't know if he's going to be here in time because he went to go see his kids or whatever, right? So we're on stage getting set up, getting ready. The crowd's packed, and the songs come on. Boom, boom, boom. And we're, and we're going there rapping. Everybody's rapping. Oblique's part's about to come up. I'm nervous as hell, right? Because <laughs> this is my first time doing this song, and I have to do his part because he's not here. And all of a sudden, I just feel this whoosh come by me. And Oblique like jumps on the stage, <laughs> comes out his jacket, and starts rapping his part. And I'm standing there holding the microphone, like, "Thank you, God, that you came." And, and after the, and after the show, I was like, "Don't you ever do that again?" <laughs> it was it was an epic show, and everybody's like, "Ah," oh, like it was on purpose, but it wasn't. It wasn't. I literally heard the song come on as I drove by the front of the venue. <laughs> So I didn't even park my car all the way. I just like pulled it into the thing and then jumped out of the car. Man, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then he just jumps on stage and starts rapping. I'm just like hyping him up. But in my head, I'm like, thank you, God, because I ain't even know these lyrics for real. Oh, man. That's awesome. So, And then uh, I'll give you one more. Yeah. Texas trip. The Texas trip. The Texas trip. 
So we get off of work. Everybody gets off work. We're meeting at Walmart. We we rented a you know SUV, a big SUV for all of us. We're going to Texas. The strangers just coming to Texas. It's a big promotion. So Oblique's driving this whole time now, right? So we're all in the back. We're being funny. We're joking, laughing, clowning the whole time. And we'll go to sleep. So <laughs> we wake o- Oblique's passing out, uh, almost passed out driving. And we'll just wake up and start clowning. And you just hear Oblique like, boy, I'm glad y'all woke up because <laughs> we was about to die. <laughs> I'm talking about, it's like they knew. It's like they knew, man, because... We mind you, we had all worked the whole day yeah. before we left at midnight to go yeah. to Texas. So we driving through the night, mm. everybody up laughing, clowning, and it would just get quiet. And I'm like, <laughs> he's still driving. Mm-mm. And as soon as I'm like, man, either we dying, or I got to pull this thing <laughs> over, but we got to get there on time too. Right. I'm like, Ugh. and as soon as I'm like, ah, oh, we ain't gonna make it. He'll get up and just crack a joke, and everybody start laughing, <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be up for like another hour. And then. <laughs> And that's what kept him up. And every time he was, he felt, and we didn't know, every time he felt like he was finna doze off, I wake up. And I was clowning the whole time. I'm clowning on everybody in the back seats and everything. And he'd wake up, and when we got to the Airbnb, he was like, bro, I'm glad you woke up clowning, because we almost didn't make it a couple times. <laughs> he said, didn't y'all feel those bumps? thing swerving in the bourbon? So, yeah, our road, our road on, being on the road is, is great. Now, now we're a little more organized and mm-hmm. me and him ride together most of the time. But when we have big road trips, we'll rent a vehicle and we all ride together. I think that's the, that's the funnest part for me when we're all together. So. That's really cool, man. All right. So, Hey, I appreciate those, those stories. And, um, I'm glad that there's other avenues with travel now that are a little safer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, Meech, I just wanted to touch base or, or, you know, expand upon a little bit that you said you do stand up comedian and that's where sort of, you know, some of those, the, the finances are yeah. coming in the monetary. Um, so how did you get into stand-up comedian to be a stand-up comedian and comedy um, more for like an audience than your friends? Like, how did you get into that? So I started during the pandemic, kind of like towards the end of the pandemic. So well, really how it started is we used to put on shows. We would put on hip-hop shows. And instead of paying a host, I would just host. And during like the downtime, I would just like crack jokes, you know, warm up and just, you know, tell jokes to the, the crowd to keep the crowd engaged while we were in between artists. And so we were actually geared up to do this big city, this big like 12, 13 city tour. And then the pandemic happened. And it was like kind of like the culmination of our group. We were like really about to take off. But then the pandemic happened, everything shut down. So it shut down our tour and we were scheduled to make a pretty good amount of money. Mm. So we would be in the studio just sitting like wondering what we was going to do and what was going on. And, uh, it started opening up a little bit so you could do comedy clubs because it was a small amount of people in there. So this dude, uh, I can't think of his name right now. I'm sorry, bro. But uh, he came to me and was like, hey, man, uh, I do, I'm a comedy promoter. I, I promote uh, you know, comedy. I do it at this club over here. You should come in. I've seen you host. You're pretty funny. Blah, blah, blah. So I talked to him about it. Who Oblique is also my manager in comedy, too. So, oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, so he also managed me and stuff like that. So we'll get into that, too. But I was like, all right, so all right, I'll, I'll show up. And I, so I tell him, he brings a couple of people and I do my set. And there was a lot of amateurs there. Everybody there was there, either their first time doing comedy or like their second time. Everybody was amateurs. So, um, and they had a headliner. So I get up there and I do my set. And the other comic didn't come. The headliner guy was late. So I had to stay up there and do more. So I ended up doing what, like a 30 minute set or something like yeah. that? 30 minutes. And I killed. 
I killed. It was these uh, Filipino ladies that walked in, and I knew a little Tagalog to to say something to them, and they like laughed and blew up, and it, and it just like blew me up. And that was the last free show I ever did, and uh, it was kind of like a a battle at first because I was this rapper and I wanted to be a rapper now, and I was like, I don't want to be the funny man. Like I don't want to do comedy for real. Like mm-hmm. I want to rap because. People going to think I'm a joke, and then you're going to play with me. You're going to find out I ain't no joke, right? right so right. <clears throat> so me and him had a conversation in the in the studio. And keep in mind, during this time, I was going through a breakup. That I was with somebody for seven years. So oh, wow. my life was kind of like, you know, topsy-turvy. The pandemic happened. You know, we, I wasn't working. Uh, but I was doing this this little com- this comedy thing. I was going through a breakup. Like, mm. everything was, like, in shambles. So I was, like, at a cross point in my life. Yeah. Um, but my brother, I sat, I sat with him in the studio, and I was like, Brian, I'm not finna do this comedy stuff, man. This, this ain't what. It. And he was literally like, man, he was like, you're funny. He was like, I done seen you be great a lot of times. He was like, but you're great on that stage. Mm-hmm. And he was like, to not do this, you're doing a disservice to yourself. He was like, I'm gonna back you any way you want to. Yeah. But he was like, you should do this. You're, you're, you're more than good at it. You know what I mean? And I'll let him piggyback on that after I'm done with the story, but. And so I literally like sat and I was in my I was at my house one day and the movie Souls. You ever seen the Pixar movie Souls? If you've never seen that movie, I suggest everybody watch it. It changed my whole outlook on me being a comedian in life. I'm sitting in there, you know, I'm salting, you know, I'm going through this breakup. We broke up in October. She ends up getting married in February. That's how crazy it is. Yeah, I'm saying it. Right. But uh <laughs> but this is the thing. So December twenty sixth, it's after Christmas. I'm in my room. The movie Souls came out. I'm watching it. And after I've watched that movie, like I was just enlightened. I don't know what it was. Universe, God, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. And I call O, I think. And I think I was damn near in tears, right? And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to do it. And then my first big show was at the Palms and Destin, January 16th. And it was a pack house, like 200, 300 people it was, was in there. Standing Whoa. room, standing room standing only. Room. It was that pack. And this was my really first big paid show. Mm. And uh I, I killed. I was I was on fire. And he came up to me, man, and like he gave me a hug. I, I gave this speech after it was all over because I was hosting so I was doing comedy in between other comics. And these are like well known comics and I'm just, you know, the new guy. Yeah. But I'm on fire. Yeah. Like ain't nothing you can say to me. Everything was hitting. I was I had five outfit changes. I was <laughs> I was in the mix, man. I was like on it, man. And uh he and I said my little speech and he came up to me afterwards. He was like, I told you, man, you gotta walk in your light. And I just like hugged him and embraced him. And that and on my comedy journey, that's who he's been to me this whole time. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? He always sits in the audience after I do a set and he'll tell me, Hey, that hit this didn't, you know what I'm saying? Cause I'm a I'm a big student of the game. I like to watch game film, if you call it. Sure. I, I wanna know. How did the audience feel? What did this feel? What what was this? What was that? And he's always just been that person. And one of the real reasons I do stand up is because he was just like, "Bro, this is you. You need to do it." And I never, look, I haven't looked back. And in 2021 it was my first man year doing comedy, and I made just off comedy almost hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah, just doing comedy. The IRS took a lot of it, but you know how that goes. Don't they all? <laughs> you know, no matter go. what you do, they but, they, they want their money. Yep. Yeah, but he was. Yeah, it was. It was a team effort. You know what I mean? Even though I'm up there by myself, it's still a team effort. And sure. I just got into comedy because I've always been funny, man. I've always I always like to make people laugh because yeah. life is hard. 
you know, and I always, I like to be the light. And I think comedy is what, what, what makes me go in comedy is, is hearing people laugh. Mm-hmm. That's where I get my joy from. The money's cool. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But sure. the joy of hearing people laugh and you don't know how, what kind of day they had or whatever, but you're able to make them laugh. Right. And, uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll, uh, piggyback off a lot of stuff I'm saying, but it's just that feeling mm-hmm. being up on stage and connecting with the people. They don't even know you. Right. And you being able to make, to make these jokes work and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what got me into it. Actually the pandemic, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I probably would have never been a stand up comedian. So I'm assuming, right, the the stage presence, right, you already had a little bit of that from mm-hmm. performing. So it wasn't as difficult where someone has never been on stage and now they're going to do comedy. There's that, like, anxiety. It definitely helped. That, yeah. it, def- it, definitely, <clears throat> it definitely helped because comedy is so different because you got to find pockets and punching in the way you write your jokes. And I'm a, I'm a crowd guy, too, so I work with the crowd, too. So mm-hmm. some of my stuff's not really formulated too much. I'm, I'm a half freestyle comic, half... Uh, Method comic, I guess, if okay. you will, which is hard to do. It's hard to balance, but it's also a gift. Mm. You know, that's all I can tell you. It's like a gift. But yes, being able to be on stage already, it's it's more of an easier transition. Yeah. To to make it work. Yeah. Wow. So so bleak, man. So now, right? That's that's almost three, four, four different things. So you have your the day gig, right? That first eight hours. You have your studio time. You have, you know, yourself being an artist and now you're picking up being a manager for Meech. Like that's quite a and, bit, and, right? And an avid stock investor. <laughs> like, yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah, there you go. So that's a lot of balls to juggle, right? Like to try to keep in the air. Pause, man. Pause. <laughs> Pause. Pause to juggle. Pause. <laughs> Continue. Well, well, yes, I do a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Right. You see the, the comedy shit rolling off on me. Throwing, throwing some darts out here, man. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, so how now, like, I mean, you know, there, there's always, like you said, right, there's only so much people can can do and take, right? And um, that, that expression, right, from, from the musicality side, right, you mm-hmm. said, like, hey, if I'm in that moment, that emotion moment, like, I got to express it. But now, like, you have that the business sense is, is building quite a bit here, right? So there's that, that responsibility and that accountability to continue to do that and support mm-hmm. all those different things. So do you ever find yourself getting a little like, oh man, you know, like I got to step back off one of these or like down throttle on something? Absolutely. Um, so one of my mentors, he's actually <clears throat> the owner of the restaurant that I manage. Um, I meet with him a lot. Because um, one of the biggest things that I had to learn was the art of time management, mm. the art of delegation, the art of realizing some of the stuff you just don't have to do. Right. Some stuff you're doing, you're doing it and it's getting done, but it's not important or productive. Mm-hmm. So, um, Meech, Meech knows, pretty much anybody knows me knows I have a saying. I say, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist. Mm. Um, I'm extremely organized in that way. I even schedule my personal time because I had, I realized I have to start taking some personal time too, yep. so I can actually be productive when I'm working. Right. Um, so that was the biggest thing. It's like everything doesn't have to be done every day. Mm. I'm not working on helping him manage his career every day. Those things are done when they need to be done. I'm not mixing music every day. I have time slots in which it's dedicated to this thing. Um, just like I, when I go to work, I know what my schedule is at work. When I'm at work, I'm at work. Right. Um, so just really understanding that everything's not important and everything's not urgent. Mm-hmm. Some things are important, but they're not urgent. Right. Some things are urgent, but they're not important. Right. You just gotta, you gotta find that balance. Um, uh, but like I said, I think the, the, the luxury that I have is that everything that I do is not required to be done every day. Gotcha. So it's just understanding 
where I need to put some focus here, where I need to put some focus here, and making sure that 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 is actually scheduled out and organized. Right. So I'm not trying to figure out what I'm doing today. It's it's funny the analogy that popped in my head because y'all mentioned sports earlier is like, are you hurt? Or are you injured? Right. right like right, there's that right. that leveling difference of like, is it really important or is it you know right. we can let that slide until another time or whatever. So that's that's awesome. Um, my my buddy Logan that I talked to like mentioned that he does the the condo business and he does very well but he's very much into like exactly like you said like day planning he has meditation he has his workout time it's all very much blocked Mm -hmm. um because i think it is important and you've stated it and you're sort of driving the point home is if you don't do that it's very easy to slip into that gray area of just working and working and working and you're like well you know and it's not healthy right like it can start to degrade your quality of work right and then people are like hey man what's what's up man like you're like what's going on you're slipping right so it's got to take care of yourself first man i think it's huge and at some point people got to start understanding that the things that you keep hearing over and over and over again are actually real things there's a reason they tell you to write down a goal and then write out the steps like i don't care what self-help book you read or what guru you talk to they always Mm -hmm. tell you the same thing Mm -hmm. and to me it's about having metrics if Mm -hmm. i don't know what i'm trying to do And I don't have a plan to do it, then I have no metric to make decisions with. That's fantastic. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, hundred percent. There's a really good. I mentioned a book. <laughs> books. Uh, it's it's Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is about Atomic Habits is people, you know, even in like project management and stuff, they always want to celebrate the goal, but it's all those steps to get there. And how micro are those steps? Like one of the instances he uses is, "Hey, I want to go run a marathon." You don't start by planning, I'm going to run five miles, one mile. You go, I'm going to start planning on putting my shoes next to the bench. Mm -hmm. So when I sit down on the bench, I have my running shoes right there. That gives that little inspiration. I'm not walking and then I'm like, ah, I get distracted or maybe I don't really want to do that today. You sit down, there's the running shoes, right? Like it's all these micro, you know, micro things that you can do. Like, uh, so I find that, (laughs) I find that very important, man. So that's really good to hear, you know, again, cross industry, same boat, right? You, You have those goals, you break it down. Um, into those those breadcrumbs or milestones or whatever, right? To to lead you on that path to get to that that uh, golden pot at the end of the rainbow. I think the most powerful thing you can have is a commitment to consistency. And mm-hmm. everybody wants to do this, these amazing things all the time. They want everything to be these grandiose things, mm-hmm. but they haven't con- committed to just the fundamental, consistent things. Right. In sports, Kobe Bryant used to practice his fundamentals every day mm-hmm. before he practicing. He practiced before spin practice. moves or anything like that. He mm-hmm. pr- Fundamentals every day. Mm-hmm. Are you so great at the fundamentals that you can't even get them wrong? And to me, that is about every other thing that you do. When we release a song, it's still, a, we have a structure, we have a blueprint in mm-hmm. how we release. Now, the branding and marketing of that specific song may change because of the song, but how we do it is the same way every time. Look at you, man, you're great. Like being able to tie into exactly where I was about to head on the next <laughs> subject. That was perfect. If you're listening to this on a podcast medium, please find part two in the episode list.